Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Clayton, and we are men who like men who like movies. We're two queer men who love movies and talking about movies, and after a lot of urging, we started a podcast. What did you pick out for us to watch this week, Sean? Well, in honor of the new year, I decided to go with a little theme of New Year, New You, and one of my all-time favorite movies, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the remake from 1978. And I love this movie so much. <laughs> so uh, what's your relationship with this movie, Sean? Um, so actually, this is the third uh, in- Invasion of the Body Snatchers or Body Snatchers film I saw. Um, I actually started with The Invasion, which um, is uh, okay. A movie. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's okay. Um but I, after that, I decided to check them all out because you know you always hear how much better the first two were, and I was not disappointed. And uh, we do actually have a special guest here today. Um, we have Rachel Reeves, a journalist specializing in specializing in horror films and film music. Um, you'll find her work around the internet on sites like Dread Central, Rue Morgue, Daily Grindhouse, and more. She's also a co-host on. The Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast, and The Pod and the Pendulum, which covers the wild world of horror fran- th- horror film franchises. Thank you so hey. much for being on with us, Rachel. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Yes, I you know, was just saying off air that this was the first film of my new year, and I'm so excited because this is setting the tone. Like, I love this film to death. It's just, yes, I'm so excited to talk about it with you guys and just kind of dissect what makes this film just so incredible. And yeah, setting the tone. You know, this is going to be this is going to be a good year. I can feel it. It is. So uh, (laughs) when I gave you the list of what we were covering this year, you chose a couple of them. But specifically, why did you choose this one? I just it blew me away. Like the first time I watched it. Like I did it, I went into it a little blind, I guess. Like the ending wasn't spoiled for me, which was, you know, pretty awesome. And then, (laughs) and also just like, I don't know, I didn't look a whole lot. I I saw it years and years and years ago and I didn't, you know, I didn't look up the cast or anything. And so when people started showing up, I was like, holy shit, wait, what? Like, (laughs) like he's in this and he's in this and she's in this. And so it just You were there and you were there. (laughs) I honestly... Like, I was just losing my mind, and it's just incredible. And then this was actually the first one I saw, which then made me, you know, interested to go see the original. And I just I just have a lot of respect for this film. So, yeah, I definitely had to be like, oh, yes, I want to talk about that one. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> We're well, so I'm glad, glad you are. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, I was going to say, Clayton, what relationship do you have with the film? Well, I actually hadn't seen any of these movies until within the past couple of years. It was during the pandemic. You made a huge deal when you found out that I had not seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers, either of the first two versions. And so it sounded a lot like Donald Sutherland. Um, Not wrong. Um, <laughs> he was getting a little shrill. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's a pandemic. I had nothing better to do. So I was like, all right, I'll watch this. It is a classic. So I watched the original. 
and loved it because I cannot do things out of order. And then watched this and was like, oh, rare case of remake being better than the original. Yeah. I mean, I think they're both fantastic. But yeah, I just love the way this one ends. I think it just makes it so much better. And I really loved it. And uh, for us to cover it, obviously. <laughs> also, drag me. <laughs> you started dragging yourself. I did. I, just, I did. Uh... <laughs> Hey, I was like 14 when it came, or what was it, like 2007? I would have been like 15, I was like, you were 14 16. a couple of years ago, and you were like, you need to watch this. No, no, no. I was going to say when I saw The Invasion. So I didn't see the first two until after it, because, like, of course I knew about it. I was a big, like, I was a, like, I'm I'm a big film buff. But, like, there are things, my, my parents don't like horror movies, like, at all. Yeah. So they didn't want to watch them like, they were just like we're not watching that like and this would be a little bit more closer to their alley because my dad likes sci-fi but I, it's one i didn't see until the like i saw the invasion and i was like okay really need to see the first two now <laughs> so it's a one time starting with number three extra, i can't four, believe after out. the invasion you ever wanted to revisit the story again like i didn't see it but i've just heard it so bad and like that is when i started going to theaters all the time and like i didn't even go see that movie it's that bad but i i will say like i personally didn't even know it was a remake until i was watching it and i was like oh wait this is an invasion of the body snatchers <laughs> yeah. movie? um but i think that actually made me like it maybe a little bit more than i probably you know if i had gone in expecting invasion of the body snatchers i probably i would have probably been like <laughs> excuse right. me but and, like uh, that was in the same year i went to see like the messengers <laughs> Well, uh, for me, it's like, it's kind of the Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> like, um, like, I, I the like first Jurassic two are Park absolutely... 3. <laughs> oh, I do too. But like, it when you put them in the same breath as the first two, you get it a little bit different. Like, you yeah. know, like Jurassic Park is all time, fa- you know, amazing classic. Lost World is really good. Last it has minutes, its notwithstanding, <laughs> um, but it's you know, but Jurassic Park three, there you have a Velociraptor that looks at someone and goes, "Alan." I mean, like, come on, like <laughs> it's kind of the one that's a little campy, it's a little weird, um, and that's that's how I feel like the invasion is. Like the first two are just absolute classics. Body Snatchers is very much the Lost World Jurassic Park, and then <laughs> this one is Jurassic I would Park. disagree. I think, the invasion is just... I think the 78 version is far superior to the original, but... I think it is superior, but I wouldn't go with far superior. Possibly but fair. But that's just me. <laughs> Rachel, I, do you have an opinion on this? <laughs> no, I, I... Yeah, you can't... Obviously, this doesn't work for a uh, audio medium, but I'm like, hmm, over here pondering. I'm like, is it, like, far <laughs> superior? Because I, I, I do think, like, the time in which it was made has to be, like, taken into consideration. Fair. So I, I do think that it's superior. I just, you know, there's a lot that they couldn't get away with in, you know, 50-whatever when the first one was made. And so, yeah, definitely superior, 78, but... I don't, yeah, I don't know if I would say far superior because I do like the first one too. I greatly enjoyed the first one. I just, I really like downer endings, and this one is just so much more pessimistic. <laughs> I feel yeah. like, yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's why what pushes me to the far superior. Gotcha. Well, and I mean, 
one thing i always think of with the original is like and i agree with you i think that the ending of this one is one of the greatest endings of cinema um the original was a like that was that was a studio ending they wanted it that's how they wanted it It wasn't originally going to end nicely mm-hmm. um but the you know and, and, and in a lot this of ways one, they like, just refused to film the nice ending <laughs> Well, and I mean, even like the original director, uh, you know, like Don Siegel, he helped like create this. Like they said, the ending of the original was too pat, you know, like it was just like cut and dried too too cookie cutter, nice kind of ending. And so that's why they came up with this ending where it's very much like they win. Like there's uh-huh. no yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> like there's no like humanity is done for. And, you know, but I think exactly what you said, Rachel, like, if you take into account the different times for when they came, like, they're two very different scares, but they both work on such a great level. And I, 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 for me, it's like Invasion 78, Invasion of the Body Snatcher 78. I think there's actually a movie called Invasion 78, so I'm going to not say that again. Um, Invasion of the Body Snatcher 78 is like 100%, and I'd say like, the 50 is 56 i think or 54 i can't remember um that's something i probably should have wrote down uh 56 okay i was like sometimes my brain works um that one for me is like a 99 that's fair and they are both commenting on very different things which is something i find really fascinating about all the iterations of this like they can make a version of this this year or like in 10 years and it could be the exact same story pretty much but be commenting on a completely different thing in our society i find that so fascinating about these oh yeah and i think that's what like makes it so pro i mean this thing has been like remade and reinterpreted in a million different ways right like i mean you can argue you know the faculty is a remake of this movie just right. you know and so it's but because God, you know, the fear, so fear, good. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But I like, fear, you know, fears are ever evolving, and so that's what makes this particular material something that just gets remade over and over and over again. And that's okay, actually. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it wouldn't work for everything to just get remade all the time, but I think this is one of those stories that you can just kind of put whatever fears of society are going on right then and just insert it into it get some different actors tweak a few things oh no millennials versus boomer (laughs) (laughs) as long as rachel sinat's in it i'm good (laughs) well that'd be more gen z wouldn't it (laughs) oh true gen z versus everyone else (laughs) that would be a cool one though i would totally feels like that that sometimes (laughs) (laughs) yeah All right. Well, would you guys recommend this film? We know hundred percent. Oh yeah, (laughs) definitely, definitely would recommend this. (laughs) All right. Well, what do you say we get into the movie? Sounds good to me. All right. So this was directed by Philip Kaufman with a screenplay by W. D. Richter, and I don't normally I don't bring up very many of the like facts in it but i did want to bring up the cinematographer michael chaplin um who's done like taxi did taxi driver raging bull um sadly passed away um and the composer denny zeitlin and this is his only film score which really was a little surprising to me because i thought it was a pretty good film score and 
which is funny considering I like how it uses silence more, but it's still a good film score. <laughs> Agree. This is really his only one. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he, I mean, he was an accomplished musician on his own. I think he was just probably like, you know, he's an accomplished jazz pianist and probably just tried it out and was like, yeah, it was fun. All right. I'm just going to keep doing this other thing, you know, <laughs> yeah. for, what, for whatever reason, maybe just was like, yeah, I'm okay. That I tried it, didn't work out and moved on. I have to ask, <laughs> yeah. Rachel, do you have this on vinyl? I do. Yes. I figured. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a couple different versions, actually. Yes. But yeah, oh, I like it. Wonderful. I think it's I think it's great. Like, yeah, not even kidding. The next time I'm out your direction, we just have to like get sushi and just sit around listening to horror scores on vinyl. Yeah. And it sounds like a wonderful day. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. That sounds amazing. That does sound like a really good day. <laughs> like, uh, yes. All right. And then it was also, so it is based on the novel, uh, The Body Snatchers by Jack Finney, which if you've seen The fa- Faculty, is a blatant ripoff of uh, Robert Heinlein's The Puppet Masters. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's just the line from the movie. I'm not yeah. entirely sure of the film. <laughs> it <wrote> the actual <laughs> true. <laughs> I just love Stokely from The Faculty. And any chances to quote her, I'll take it. Um, and then this is a remake of the 1956 film Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, directed by Don Siegel. Um, I didn't get into a lot of weird production history. I didn't see a lot of it, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know if you guys saw any on your research. Um, I, I just know, I mean, you already talked about the ending. I know that there was a lot of, uh, you know, issues with the director wanting to end it one way and the studio being like, oh, God, no, you can't do that. And um, <laughs> so they ended up making like the the bookends part of it where it, like at the beginning we see him and like he's safe. Right. And it's kind of like recounting what happened and then, you know, ending it with that way. And so I know that that was kind of maybe some behind the scenes drama. But other than that, that's that's all I kind of know about it. Right. And then, and then he spends the next thirty years just running until he gets to the, the streets of San Francisco. Yeah, I have, I've heard that take, and like I don't believe. I don't agree I don't, with it. Yeah, like I I can see that, but I think that's more just like a film, like a funny cameo versus yes. like yeah. trying to connect the two. Yeah, because I, I agree. even in the credits, he's not credited as that character's name or anything. And again, like really, he's just been running around for thirty years. Like they're here. <laughs> Um, yeah so just to clarify i guess if people don't know what we're talking about so kevin mccarthy who's the guy that he is kind of like this crazy person running through the streets that donald sutherland almost hits with his car and he's like you're next you're next oh they're coming or whatever he's saying um he's from the original um and that's kind of what he was saying in that film so yeah i think it's more of a cameo than a connection yeah because they did have like there are several throughout the film that are connected to the first film so i think that was just them showing like respect for what came before yeah and yeah so uh, i don't subscribe to the fact that it is a continuation and sequel <laughs> Sorry, no, Sean. I, I don't think so <laughs> no I, I it's one of those i it's one of those it's just kind of funny to me at times because i'm like one like sometimes if i'm bored i'll just be like yeah it's definitely him he just ran here like you know like you know you know if i'm if i'm watching it and i just need like a little you know you need a little head cannon oh i think it's funny to think about also like like the fact that it's okay so that was 56 and this is 78 and so it's taken it like 
you know, 20 years to just make it like halfway through the state or something. Like, yes. With as, with as quickly as it spreads as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it seems to be pretty slow. All they needed to do was get to a ship port. That was it. You know? yeah. If they would have gotten there, then, then it just spreads like wildfire. I guess, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, if we go into the cast a little bit, um, we've got Donald Sutherland uh, with, his fabulous hair in this is matthew bennell <laughs> um i love his curly hair in horror movies it makes me so happy <laughs> because of this and don't look now it just cracks um, me up seeing him young i know i'm so I used c- to seeing him as a like older actor <laughs> yeah i love young donald sutherland yeah don't look now is incredible oh so good I haven't seen it. I know. Clayton and I were talking about this earlier, and I was like, you need to watch it. Like, what do we like? Yeah. Uh, uh, We've got Brooke Adams as Elizabeth Driscoll. And then for me, the MVP of the movie, Veronica Cartwright as Nancy Belichick. Uh, She's my favorite character. Um, Jeff Goldblum as Jack Belichick. Leonard Nimoy as Dr. David Kibner. Um, Art Hindle. Uh, as Dr. Jeffrey Howell. Uh, and he's from... Um, you remember me telling you about The Brood with David by David Cronenberg? Yes. So he's Another actually Another shameful blind spot for me. Yes. And he's the dad in that. So he is horror royalty as well. I was going to say, I've heard the name Art Hendel a lot. Yeah. He's been in, he's been in stuff recently, too. I, he was in The Void. Um, he played, like, the state trooper, I think it was. Oh. The Void blew my mind so much, I can't even remember remember it. Like, it was so good, <laughs> but it just made my mind explode. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of those, like, uh, Lovecraftian kind of films that, are, by the end of it, you're just like, I'm feeling things, but I'm not entirely sure what all of them are. <laughs> Without the racism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also, this is the 45th anniversary of this movie. I know you love it when I do that. I hate. I wasn't. I make it sound like I was there, but (laughs) I was not. (laughs) Uh, But like, man, every time I hear like an anniversary, like I love it, but because I'm like, it means that the movies are surviving until you know for like ever. Like every time we do an anniversary, it means that someone's caring enough to like keeping you know like to keep them alive Mm -hmm. and. But it's also like, oh, like the farther the farther we get away, and I'm I'm changing my my mind a little bit on this. But I used, I used to be a little bit anti remake, um, and I which is surprising considering how much I love this movie and the thing, and the fly, which those are like three of my five top movies of all time, and very much like um so like i i I think remakes can be done well but i'm I'm hoping they come back a little bit better for the the later 20s i'm never anti-remake it doesn't take the original away and they might have a good idea and if it sucks you've got the original and more people might seek it out yeah agree no absolutely and well and that's (laughs) something i've i've learned to be more of but like it was basically after the fog (laughs) which was an awful remake yeah. <laughs> so i just after that one i was just like oh skipped it yeah dodged a bullet there <laughs> yeah i know we talked about that and it was uh you're so lucky you dodged it 
the only good thing in that movie was um uh samba player which that's not the movie we're talking about <laughs> no <laughs> Alrighty, but yeah, so once we get into the, you ready to get into the plot a little bit? Sure. Sure. Alright, so I mean, we start off with um, the visitors, or the aliens, coming in and, you know, landing in San Francisco as basically little gelatin things, which actually I read how they got the alien creatures was they did find a big vat of gelatin for 15 bucks. And then just poured it on stuff. Oh my gosh. <laughs> really? <That's>... Yeah. <laughs> and here I was, and like, just like, man, store. the opening is so beautiful. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. they just used. <laughs> I, I love this opening. I have to say, I think that it, yeah, it's so just creepy and beautiful. And it like sets the stage and it sets uh, the tone very well. Yeah. And it just, I think it's just interesting when looking at like kind of this era of sci-fi stuff that you have, you know, you have Alien and Star Wars. And so it makes sense to me that they would really play up that sci-fi angle, which I don't feel like was as heavy. I mean, it's just, yeah, different time in 1956. Mm -hmm. You know, it was kind of sci-fi. I remember was... it well. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes. I remember it like it was yesterday, but like it was just portrayed in like such a different way. So to see it just really kind of cold and just really ethereal this way and so um i don't know like when it comes in like is on the plants and you see that just all these like close-ups of these plants and it's just there in the background like it's very it's it's scary because it's just it is. It's so sinister so, yeah well and it's just so like kind of benign and inconspicuous in a lot of ways mm -hmm. where it's just it's there but nobody knows it's there and it's like presenting as like this beautiful flower and it's just i don't know i just i love i love the whole thing <laughs> oh yeah yeah and and well and one thing i always think of i think they leaned off of to go back to where you were talking about with the original on that like i think in back in the 50s i think sci-fi was a little bit more like considered childish mm -hmm. and so like for a long time like they were very much like you know like oh you've got a spaceship and it's like the, you know like i i think that in the original it's very much played for more of the horror of it rather than the like sci-fi aspect for that reason so that way it's not considered as like childish like and i could be wrong on that but that's just the way i've always like viewed movies back then is like for a long time science fiction was considered kind of like cheesy or like a little bit like oh this is you know this is bring the kids and so that but the i mean the original is like you know <laughs> terrifying <laughs> yeah I felt like I they were kind of lean away from it i also think that like there was a lot of e like eco horror movies coming out in this time you know i think that this the 70s was just a time when people were becoming a lot more aware of the environment and how to protect it and you know the impact that humanity has been having on nature and stuff and obviously like the hippie movement and this takes place in san francisco so i think that it's just such a beautiful juxtaposition of a lot of these not not only like cultural ideas that we see going on but also cinematic ideas and ways that films are presenting these different things so yeah you see like these alien films but also you've got this this nature um element as well which i think is just 
I don't know. It's I'm just impressed that they were able to balance all of these things and still tell like a really good, interesting, scary story with incredible characters and actors. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and it doesn't hit you that over the head with any of it either. It's just kind of in the background. It's there. Yes. It was the culture. Exactly. People watching it at that time would pick up on that. And I mean, yes. obviously we pick up on it now because we like know a lot more about, I don't think you necessarily know what's going on like in your generation when it's happening. Like you feel right. it subtextually, but it's what it's remembered for, you know, you don't really know until later. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Hindsight's a beautiful thing sometimes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Once in a while. <laughs> But yes, uh, so, I mean, after we're watching our little gelatinous blobs float beautifully across space, um, we see them land and start to root, which is also creepy. The the vines always just creep me out in mm-hmm. any shape or form, just with how they move. Which, <laughs> like, we are huge fans why of not... the ruins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's probably why I don't do well with plants. <laughs> Um, and then I don't know if you guys saw the Robert Duvall cameo or not, um, as the swinging priest. I'm glad (laughs) you said that was him because I've never actually like looked it up if it is him. I'm like, oh, that guy looks like Robert Duvall. (laughs) So the like second time I watched it, I was like, is that Robert Duvall? (laughs) See, I never noticed. I've never noticed. I saw it in like trivia about it and I was like, oh, I never noticed that it was him. I'm just always like, oh. That this guy is so creepy, and I never paid attention to. Like... No, totally. Like, don't. Okay, I. Go, I'm like, why is a priest just like swinging around on the? Like, that is very creepy. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is like, I feel like this is before people are getting duplicated, so he's just doing that for fun. Like, yeah, I like, don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of a strange moment. Like, it's just maybe upsetting. It's Maybe it's a Catholic school. I don't. I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> Either way, it's a choice. <laughs> it was a choice. It works uh, though. It's creepy. It makes you creeped out. <laughs> right. Totally. Yep. Which, and then we see, um, we we get introduced to Brooke Adams, and she picks one of the flowers and basically gets her boyfriend killed. Um, which is something I've always found kind of really sad because she's so afraid of like losing him a little bit and like she's she's getting i don't know uh, i feel like the relationship is on its way out from it's what on we its saw rocks. Of it, so <laughs> and then she kind of she ends up accidentally getting him you know like replicated <laughs> and i find that i've always found that was a little a little funny <laughs> because she thinks he's becoming like, you could tell they're kind of on the way out, and then she finally kind of, like, knocks him all the way out. But unintentionally. Let's <laughs> Yeah, like, sorry. Didn't mean to bring the alien plant. Um, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> now I can get this new boyfriend for the duration of a movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so after we've been introduced to Brooke and Jeffrey, the dentist um we meet donald sutherland and he is a health inspector and this job looks like it would be so awful (laughs) i just love that they have this extended health inspector scene with him setting him up and i don't feel like it was all needed (laughs) but i'm really glad they did it (laughs) yeah you're right 
I guess I never thought about that, but you're totally right. It goes on for a really long time. Like, it's just like, is this setting up who he is as a person? Because it doesn't necessarily have an impact on his character the rest of the movie or anything. Like, we could have... <laughs> it's it's just also so kind funny. of interesting because he's like so focused on like like he's like combing through the rice with like a black light, right? Like analyzing all of this stuff, and it's like such a invasive um, process that he's going through, right? To citation and make sure everything's up to code, and he's like, "Ha ha, mm-hmm. it's a caper, it's not a caper," you know that whole thing. And yes. <laughs> he's like so proud of finding like one rat turd and yet there's like this invasive alien you know species coming in and just replicating and taking over people all around him so i do think it's kind of like interesting to see how it's like this entity this government entity basically is like hyper focused on this one area and completely oblivious to this other massively threatening thing happening around them so maybe that's yeah i like that take (laughs) For me, it's always I've always felt it was kind of like a represent a little bit representative of the movie because he finds one small element and that element will destroy that whole like yeah. restaurant essentially. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it all it takes is one re- it, you know it's it, you know a caper <laughs> with yeah. quotation marks around it, um, and he then he like in the next few scenes like he's he's just like we're getting them shut down. So, like, all it takes is one small element, like, one tiny thing, and it can destroy an entire, essentially, ecosystem, which is exactly what this, what the creatures do with us. Oh, my God, you're right. (laughs) All right, you've justified, (laughs) I agree with you, you've justified. I think we got it. I think we got both, yeah. Sorry, I think about this movie too much. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I've never actually thought about that scene, but... I think that yeah, that all. Totally I did while I was watching. Sense. I was just like, you know, it has quick introductions to everyone except to him, and it's just the huge extended thing of him being a health inspector and like searching this restaurant. I mean, it does have the amazingly funny moment about the caper, but I'm like, I feel like this could have been cut like at least in half, and we'd get the same point. <laughs> yeah. So it's for me, but, it's, uh, but with the but with Sean's explanation of it, I see why they. <laughs> hypothetically why they did it yeah and yeah it works and also it's a great showcase for donald sutherland (laughs) yeah and that's exactly i think you're right i think it's a little bit like they are setting him up because he's very much he spends a lot of this movie like you know he's calling authorities like he is the authority in this case too like (laughs) health inspectors they're so respected (laughs) yeah well like he's the health inspector so like his work goes on it like he's gonna get them shut down like he will get them shut down and then he spends the rest of the more the movie not really being an authority like and having to react more than act and so i I always felt like it's setting up that like he is a person who you, you would like who would be someone you would go to in a situation like this mm-hmm. and he doesn't have any power like someone with power has no power in something like this again yeah i mean i think something like this happens and humanity's just fucked like there's nothing you can do but that's just how my mind works i think it's i I mean well not to bring up the pandemic lovato but like it's (laughs) very much a like i you see how different people that react to things if you get the right like it, it how 
some people will react to things we have a chance how others not so much <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah so we end up moving like we he ends up doing the whole scene like you said going through the black light finding that his uh car window has been smashed by a not even a good bottle of wine <laughs> <laughs> um and that's what he gives you know uh elizabeth a call and ends up uh the, the, you and it establishes that they're friends and you know and co-workers uh, she, and he co- likes co-workers her. and friends <laughs> yes he very much has a crush on her um and then when she wakes up the next morning after after they she sees that uh you know her boyfriend jeffrey is a uh, a little bit too uh a little bit too composed isn't he <laughs> just brooming you know i was about to say brooming <laughs> sweeping <laughs> i don't think you can use broom as a as a as a verb no <laughs> sweeping away the remnants of something dusty and uh is a lot more cold than he was before <laughs> and yeah. one thing i really love about this movie um because after this we go to the scene where after he dumps, you know, what we now know is the husk of his human self or his old self um, in the trash. And it, we meet, she goes to work and is talking to Matthew. Like when, when they're walking down the like the hallway and there's that dude just like staring at them through the glass door. Like, I love this movie because it feels like everyone is staring at you the whole time. Even when it makes not. me so uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> like the paranoia in this movie is so profound. Like every time I watch it, I'm just like, Oh, they're all being watched all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, ugh. it just makes, I think it's so funny because you know how Sean, you have talked about how like you don't like to watch stuff that um gives you secondhand embarrassment. Oh, so bad yes <laughs> but then you can watch this which isn't a secondhand embarrassment thing but like it's like you're being stared at for an entire movie <laughs> see it like does. how does that not make you more uncomfortable than watching somebody like going through something embarrassing and also rachel because he cannot stand <laughs> um secondhand embarrassment <laughs> but this is brilliant do you think he should or should not watch shiva baby <laughs> Oh gosh, no! That movie is like it's like uncut gems in the way I can't watch. Like, it gives me an anxiety attack. Yes. <laughs> I haven't seen uncut gems yet, but everybody's saying that makes me kind of want to. But I have enough anxiety as it is. But I'm like, I'm really curious. Yeah, it's just, I saw that. I saw uncut gems anyways in the theater, and I was just like, I can't. I can rock that out for this. <laughs> I can't. Like I have, yeah, I have enough of my own anxiety to deal with. I can't handle Adam Sandler's on top of it. So. Yeah, like. I can barely watch movies I've seen 50 times. Like, I can't watch Legally Blonde without her getting, like, embarrassed at the party. Like, I have to fast forward. Like, I'll see, like, her pop up. And then I have to fast forward it. Because I'm just like, there are days I just cannot handle that. It's too much. Because I'm like, oh, I just, I can feel it. I would much rather see other people be embarrassed and getting, know that they're getting paid a lot for it. And then be embarrassed myself. So it does not bother me. Although I will say, Shiva Baby probably Oof. did push those lines for me like i was so uncomfortable yeah. again rachel sinat master oh Masterful. totally amazing 
But uh, yeah, I don't know if I would recommend that for you, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think I would handle it very well. Clay was I, talking about it. He's like, "You should watch it," and I's like, nah. "Rachel said it's amazing. You should no. watch it. It's on HBO." <laughs> I was like, "If I do, like, if I'll watch it, I'll probably have to watch like I'll watch it and then like, like through when your it gets eyes, to something, watch it. I literally and, like, have to pause things and just be like, mm, okay, it's like seventy-eight minutes. You can do play. it." <laughs> Like I ha- sometimes I legitimately will pause things because I'm like I, ugh, I just yeah. need a minute. I just need a minute to compose myself. <laughs> I, I will say, like in this in this movie, I do think it's interesting how I like kind of they emphasize sort of the subtleties of human behavior. Like you see them when they're like walking around in the city, and she's like accidentally running into people, and it's like oh sorry, and you know, and they're reacting in like normal ways, right? And how you kind of slowly see that devolve as the movie goes on. I think it's obviously I'm you know I'm sure it's very intentional how they kind of play up these things that you don't really think about and how mm. people are moving and talking and looking at each other and all these just minor details of movement. And then you see that all kind of start to um, cohese and get more like regimented and everybody's the same and the way they walk and are staring forward or staring at these people. And it's just, it's so interesting, especially once you've already seen it. And you can go back and kind of start paying attention to that more. And it's just wild seeing all these little details in the background. And Mm -hmm. it makes, it doesn't take away from it knowing what's happening. I feel like it actually increases the paranoia because you're starting to notice more and more. Like you said, like everybody's staring at, at you or at them. And you just notice like, oh, that person's probably already changed. So is that person like, that's interesting. And it's... Yeah, it just makes it more unnerving, I think. What I think is the most fascinating section is when she's freaking out about her boyfriend and it's not like the entire city. But when Mm -hmm. she's looking at everybody, you're seeing it through her eyes and even the people that are acting normally. Yeah. You're you're like 100% suspicious and you're like, wait, are they just pretending like they're being completely normal? But it feels not normal. And it's so it's masterful. Well, it's like, are they looking at her because she's, you know, having a moment <laughs> or are they looking at her because they're already changed and are like suspicious of her because she might know like it's you're not exactly sure what their motive is. And right. I, she's not either. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, and that's the thing. She looks distressed like she like when she, when she's going through the city after like she's been following Jeffrey in a little bit in the movie like she's she looks distressed like she's looking around she's walking fast like she's staring at everyone you know like and it's when she's like the city feels different like mm-hmm. how much of it like in, and then you know you see all these people staring at him like when somebody looks at me i tend to look back mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm weird that way so like, like if somebody's staring oh, at me i'm I like down. hello I look down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll like look back and i'll be like are you looking at me like hi <laughs> <laughs> you know like so for me i'd be like yes <laughs> and then of course she doesn't she looks like she's distressed so i i try and like i'm i try and keep track on things like that because you know you want to make sure that everyone in this situation is or I try to, I try and like notice things like that. And that way you kind of, you know, you see someone's in distress. I'm, I'm a person who'll stop and try and help as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like for me, I, I would notice and be like, Oh, like 
okay <laughs> like <laughs> where, where she looks like she's uh and she'd be like you're one of them get day. away yeah she's like uh <laughs> no thank you bye <laughs> mm-hmm. but i mean that's another uh, that actually brings up you brought up a good point though because like it one of the things i uh, love about this movie is that which is a million i'll probably say that a thousand times on this but the city starts to feel less and more and more like how cities feel now which is in a lot of ways like sometimes they're emotionless like Mm -hmm. if you've there's so many cities that i've been to where you're just like walking around and nobody looks at anybody and nobody says anything and nobody's just like like you bump into someone and they're just like bye you know like it's yeah it it feels like oh it kind of like is very prescient in the way that like now we're very separate from other people's lives and i think that was kind of how like and i know that was this is the period of time as when it really started like we started getting away from like you know like we're all family everyone's you know kind of thing and that's what one of the things i like about this a lot is that it does feel like we're like even when they've lost their like when they're losing their humanity it feels like now and (laughs) that's kind of sad and (laughs) prescient to our time Oh, totally. Yeah, no, this was, I mean, the 70s, they call it like the me generation or like the me decade, right? Like this is a Mm -hmm. lot of people starting to realize that like these traditional family values or traditional kind of social constructs of like what a family is and like the pathway that you as, you know, a person are supposed to lead, you know, according to your class or, you know, race or gender or whatever. And people are kind of starting to really analyze these and tear them apart a little bit. And you see that represented here. And that, I mean, that was a fear for a lot of people. And I think, I mean, I mean, it's still a fear for a lot of people, right? It's still a fear. Like there's a reason why certain groups are targeting other groups. And it's really just comes down to like, they're afraid of losing something that I don't, it's just very odd. I, I mean, I'm not going to get into that whole thing, but it makes sense. <laughs> we can if you want to. Yeah. It's just a big old rabbit hole. We could yes. go down forever, but in the seventies, <laughs> The death of a nuclear family? Like, yeah. do you have anything to say on that? It sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think just having this take place in the 70s, having it place, take place in San Francisco, which was also, you know, known as like the hippie place, Hayton Ashbury, love for everybody, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so you see those conflicting and that kind of clash of different viewpoints from different parts of society. And it's interesting because it's like, is this happening because it's a city? Are these people like acting cold and emotionless because this is, you know, the way that society is heading? Or is it happening because, yeah, there's some like outside influence? And so it's, I, I just love the way that it plays with like these kind of fears of like what people who um, might have aligned themselves with that more uh what's the word to use i don't know dated sense of you know how (laughs) one should live um that's like what their fear of like what's gonna happen and i I don't know i just love how they kind of play with that idea in this city that is so known for embracing these sort of ideas and that kind of that hippie mentality right which makes it even more scary because it is san francisco yeah yeah no, you're absolutely right. I and, the, 
And it's all over the city. Like, I love how they use the space in this movie. Like, it's not just, you know, one set. Like, they're all over the place. And, like, these big sweeping scapes and so many extras. Like, it feels like you're in a city. Like, it really mm-hmm. does. Yeah, I mean, because they are. I think they are. But, like, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a, it's a movie. So it's all controlled. But I, I just appreciate <laughs> that they actually make you feel like this is real life. Like, this is happening. Absolutely. And one thing that... I've never been to San Francisco, but you always hear it like considered like considered a little big city where like kind of a lot of people know each other because it's not like the biggest, you know, like it's Uh a big city, but like it's still a small area. And so, you know, I like the fact that like they do pick San Francisco because like you said, it was the corner, like the front, you know, on the front line of that, of of you know brotherly love and all that and then it also becomes the front line of uh of of emotionless you know alien people yeah made of jello (laughs) i also okay so while we're on the subject of this i think that so leonard nimoy's character i think Mm -hmm. so he's this psychiatrist author famous person right and yes. I just, it's, I love his, okay, I love him, and I love this role, because he's such an asshole in this role, <laughs> like, yes. you know, but, like, it's so interesting, because you're not exactly sure, I, at least I am never, like, when you're watching it, like, because at first, you're like, okay, he's their friend, like, he's Sutherland's friend, right, so they go to yeah. him for help, mm. and he knows all these people, so you feel like they should all be together, but then he kind of starts revealing his kind of his true colors right and it's like wait a minute you're not really a good guy um because like so okay when they go to him and um what's her name elizabeth is kind of freaking out about her husband and they're trying to convince him and he basically is telling her like oh no you're just scared because you know you're feeling nervous about where this relationship's going and this is the problem with marriages and you just really need to rededicate yourself like he's gaslighting her he's gaslighting her into like thinking that it's her fault and that she's looking for excuses to leave this relationship right and i just ooh, i I mean i I felt that because (laughs) just as somebody who's been in relationships with you know some people that have turned it's like oh no you are not a good person like goodbye uh but it's just it's quite interesting I think to see it from that perspective and how people are just downplaying it especially you know because she's a woman I'm gonna say it and it's like oh no you just you need to not listen to this new decade these people telling you this free love like you're just you know that's a you don't want to do that like this is why marriages are failing and this is why family values are deteriorating and but it's like she's like no there's aliens that have taken over my boyfriend and like, yeah just... no you're absolutely right though like uh, i mean uh, in his exact words are you want to shut your feelings off and she's like he's like you don't want to pretend you or like you don't want to pretend it's happening because you have to deal with it and like the sad part is is you're absolutely right that is something that like a psychiatrist would say then they would want Mm -hmm. them to like work so hard like you are you know you're the one in the problem with the problem here like you have to be the one that has to solve it so this could like and those words could be taken in the context of both kibner is a pod person at the time or he's not a pod person at the time 
And I think both are equally scary. I think it's genius that you can't tell. Yeah. Well, exactly. That's the thing. And it's like, as it goes on, I I don't, I, I don't think he is a pod person. I think he knows what's going on, but I don't think he, I think he's there. Like, you know, they're human. Um, cohort right and he's like in allegiance with them oh, but like isn't, a liaison? Isn't, yeah like he he knows what's happening but he's not one of them is what i think oh, um but I yeah he thought of it that way but just later also he the, very much is one of them i think but maybe i don't know but at this time i think this is really just you know what because even yeah, like that one woman that's say. freaking out about her husband and he's just like no like just sleep on it and all this just stuff, hold which, hands yeah just see, and she's so just bad, like terrified right? and i feel like he would have had to have known but also i don't know <laughs> well but that's the thing it's like it, we can't know because it could be construed either way so he could be a pod person the entire time or he could not be a he might not be one at the time as well because this is this would have been the rhetoric they would have been talking about like they were totally oh, you're just being hysterical you need to you know you're like, a hysterical go, woman yes like, you're exactly. just crazy like, <laughs> i don't know what you're talking like I, I don't know what you're talking about but like why don't you go and get a good night's sleep like that would have been something people would have said like oh you need to go just go get a good night's sleep and you'll feel better Here, and it's take- like take this pill you'll be fine drink yes. some wine just relax <laughs> exactly His casting so. is also i think really fun because this would have been what the height of star trek where he's mm-hmm. playing somebody that like doesn't have emotion yes and then seeing him in this like it's just fun casting and he's also more emotional in this and just seeing that has got to be weird and then just being like wait um I don't know. I just think it's a really cool casting choice. Oh, and I love seeing it. Like it's, I love seeing him and stuff at this time because he's so like you see him and you think of Spock, and so it's always like whenever he pops up because he's in a bunch of movies. Like he's in, you know, a decent amount of other things. It's just it's so rare. I think that you get to see him in those other roles when he's not playing that person, and he's kind of slimy in this a little bit, which Mm -hmm. Spock is obviously not. Like Spock is an angel, and so (laughs) being able to see him kind of play against type in this way is really interesting because you innately i think for the majority of people who have any sort of relationship with star trek you just immediately just want to trust him like oh god it's spock like of course whatever (laughs) like he's the best and so seeing him kind of embrace this kind of role where you're not quite and maybe that's why i'm struggling like like is he a pod person is he a bad guy like i i personally might be struggling with that as well because i just treasure him as that character so much (laughs) i don't know i think he's kind of a bad guy in it but no i i I agree but but i don't know i just i love that we can't figure out if he's a pod person or not (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I might yeah. need to just watch it again. I just think that he's got too much, like, he talks too much and has too much, like, I don't know. He's not quite as bland as some of the other pod people that we see. Maybe he's a higher level of pod. I don't know. But he seems to have Maybe. more of a vocabulary and, like, some facial movements that the other folks don't have, like, that are just, like, a little bit more robotic. So that makes me think that, like, maybe he's not, but he just kind of knows what's going on. But maybe, yeah, maybe he's just a 
you know, some sort of general in this pod army or something. I don't know. Well, I always saw it as kind of like an act, like, because even the taxi driver, like, he's like, oh, where are you guys heading? You know, kind of like fake enthusiasm, like, you know, so like, and, you know, being a psychiatrist, he would have seen a range of emotion, like, Mm. through his, like, so I don't, for me, he's putting on a mask because like, you know, the scene where it's revealed he's in, he's in cahoots with him. Like, he goes (laughs) into the car, he's like, (laughs) <laughs> sorry i <laughs> i was hoping you'd get it i said it for you you said cahoots i was i had to uh whenever the word cahoots comes out clayton will quote the hateful eight every time so i have to throw it in there every once in a while yeah. uh, but when Thank he gets you. in the car Thank he's like you. oh we're gonna have to push up our plans or like yeah. it has to happen soon and so like i felt and so he spent the whole time like listening to them and like not giving them any answers like he's playing so he's very much playing like you know i felt like he's playing a person (laughs) you know kind of like you're probably right i'm probably just falling victim no but i kind of i love your idea of that though because i in i mean in some way shape or form like i feel like a psychiatrist would love a world where like everyone's kind of like hunky dory they'd like, be out not, of business i was yeah, about to say they, they would not yeah. have money they make their money off no, of damaged well, people you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah it, but i mean you would i feel like someone if you're like promoting it like it yeah. would very much be like oh like this is what we want like you know like this is what we're supposed to be pushing for you know i, I also yeah i think it's interesting just putting it out that it's like the women who are all kind of sounding the alarm on this like you have that woman at the book signing Mm -hmm. you have elizabeth you have jeff goldblum's girlfriend or wife i guess um like they're all kind of the first people that are like hey what the fuck is happening like it's all well almost the guy at the dry cleaning he's the one who says something's wrong with his wife i think he's the only like first but he is the only male character male present like yeah male presenting character that's like says something about what's happening but yes. but then donald sutherland doesn't really do anything with that information at first it takes like elizabeth to come and be like hey this is going on and i'm freaked the fuck out and i so i just think it's really interesting that there's all these women coming forward and people are just like it's fine just hold hands and reevaluate what your marriage means um so i just you know i'm just gonna throw that out there for men and not believing women what yeah, a novel shocking. new idea <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the thing and you're absolutely right because like he doesn't even believe elizabeth for the longest time like i don't think he believes her and un- like really until he sees the body in the belichick's mud bath like yeah. and then he's like something <laughs> is sentence. wrong also like i'm sorry i the mud bath thing like always is like grosses me out because i'm like wait do they like clean that mud i know because you see you see her like wiping off the edges where it was like dirty but i'm like i feel like they just reuse it and i think they just reuse it and that guy was in there with the and she's like massaging his belly and i don't know what's happening (laughs) and and his butt and it's just like what a setting that they chose It looks like a real place too. That's what like weirds me out. It's like, horrifying. This look like <laughs> it's a because set. it was a real place. Like they, those were, those used to be like really big, like public bath houses essentially. Like oh, bathhouses like, are still big, Sean. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's technically it's considered a bathhouse as well, but like it used to be like you know like that would where people would go to get like. 
hamper or like massages and stuff like that and like they're not as big now but yeah they were much bigger like many years and ago this is in san francisco <laughs> yeah like yeah. this definitely all was the, an and era this was at the height of the time where, like, all, yes. and cults and mm-hmm. you know like really when that sort of stuff was becoming embraced and popularized and zodiac and becoming vegan and obviously all this stuff still exists but i think that was like the first well and i don't i don't know i don't know the history of this but it felt like the first like huge wave of that Just speak kind with of confidence thinking. people will think you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. but i mean like i don't know if you guys have ever like this is completely off topic like, like looked into Perfect. like the, the source family and uh like the cult like father yod and like that whole family from california and uh, no, nobody it should. it's cults are terrifying oh my god it is amazing nobody died so like just so no. you know like he's the leader is the only one who died so it's not like i mean it's creepy but also super i just think cults are creepy death or not and, it's just they're creepy but he had a restaurant like he like he had a like they had a really famous restaurant in california i can't remember exactly where but it was like one of the very first like natural like health vegan restaurants and that's how like they made their money before they took it all and bought a giant house and went and lived together on their commune but uh yes it's a fantastic story to look into if you're ever just want to go down a wild rabbit hole but don't want it to get like too crazy dark you know (laughs) so what was that it called again wonderful. i'm gonna write it down. the source <laughs> well, family they, they were called the source family and he went by the name uh father yod um and but his real name was okay i'm just gonna like tell you a little bit about this because yeah, so I'm when he perfect <laughs> oh my gosh when he was a kid so he okay when this guy was a kid, he was like a bodybuilder kid and like won all these awards when he was a kid. He killed somebody when he was a little bit older by like karate chopping them. I'm not even joking. And he was super rich. And then he, um, yeah, went on to start this source family and they did a lot of like breathing and weed and he had this whole family and it's just it's just very it's just very wild. But yeah, he had this crazy oh I just found it. Yeah. Los Angeles on the Sunset Strip. They had this big famous restaurant. John Lennon ate there, Marlon Brando would ate there. Like this is like the go to spot in the late seventies or in the late sixties. Uh so yeah aren't we're you on, sad we're... some of these like rest not necessarily that one but those big huge restaurant things that were super big and that everybody who is anybody went to and you like you can't ever try their food now because it's just not around anymore i know or you have to go to like nobu or something and it's like that's not the same <laughs> 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 like i don't know unless i see like a real housewife like i'm not gonna I'm, i don't care <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyways yeah go down that rabbit hole on your own that's a good rabbit hole i like that it's there's a documentary on it that's amazing because they had oh i don't know but you have to find it uh but yeah it's just called (laughs) the source family but they had their own like historian so there was a there was a woman who just went around uh who led like she used to take pictures of famous rock stars but then she like got hired and um yeah, so there's tons of footage and pictures, which is I think is pretty rare for a cult, you know? There's, yeah. like, lots of material, and so you see it, and you're like, oh, my God, this is all real. This is all happening. <laughs> oh, wonderful. 
Okay, but yeah, back to that. Yeah, mud baths. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and but and you're absolutely right. That, that I think is the f- moment where Matthew actually starts to believe her. And he's like, oh, like something is wrong. Like this looks like Jack. Like, <laughs> like it's 6'4", 170 pounds. Like, mm-hmm. and I love that like, he's able to just like know this, looking at a tip body on a table. Like, oh, he's six four and one hundred and seventy pounds. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's he'd probably have at least an idea. Like, generally, you can look at someone and get an idea of like their weight and like you know height. Especially because like Donald Sutherland is what like six two or something like a six three, so like he's used to people being shorter. So I'm sure he's just like, okay, I can see it. <laughs> also, Elizabeth has been like screaming about to him about this. Like, yes, he, like they've replaced him. He is not the same, you know. So I think like having all of those like nuggets in the back of his mind. Then he sees this and he's like, aha, <laughs> I see what's going on. <laughs> also, that would be really hard to explain. <laughs> well and that's one of the this is the moment that like i really love veronica cartwright in this movie she's my favorite character of the whole thing but like she figures it out equally fast and that and she doesn't even have all of the information that matthew does and i find that even more impressive (laughs) which i I just love i love her in this so much like she's my favorite character like She's the only one smart enough to deal with this. And the only reason she loses at the end is because she finally let her guard down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, not to spoil the ending before we get to yeah. it. but It's like, 45 years just, old, Sean. It's fine. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I know. It's, it's not what happens. It's how it happens. How it happens. Yeah. Right. Yes, so. But she, right there, when she figures it out, like, you're just like, oof. Also, um, the scene where the body disappears and we see another garbage truck. I love the, the fact garbage that they keep showing trucks. the garbage trucks. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's it's one of those things that it's like we see them on and off the whole movie, right? But you don't. Mm-hmm. It's so just. Normal. And it's like there's something know. in the back of them that just like because you can't tell what it is. Yeah, and it's just like these little things that suddenly it clicks, kind of mm-hmm. like oh wait what and it's it's just so interesting because it's something that starts out so i don't know just innocent or just mm-hmm. seems sort of just like no, oh it's just, just a garbage filler. truck you don't pay attention you don't pay attention yeah. to it. just it's in and the background then finally the city, it's trucks. you know it kind of becomes more clear like what it is and why they've been showing this to you and it's just i love little things like that where it's you know, it's not like a big moment, like a big reveal or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just suddenly all the pieces start to come together mm-hmm. and kind of just quietly is very chilling. Yeah, because I mean, you're watching legitimately the death of humanity in the background. <laughs> like it's yes, it's so it's toss them so in the trash. Scary. Uh, yeah, yep. like we're basically just out in a garbage bag. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was gonna say, so i mean after this we get the uh rescue of of elizabeth from by my uh, by michael <laughs> matthew <laughs> i will say i did um, just want to point out i love just because of what the movie is about and everything that whole plants have feelings you know just like people <laughs> but like they don't <laughs> well and there's plants like everywhere like mm-hmm. every shot every shot has plants in it almost it just seems you know and obviously that's very intentional and i just think Mm -hmm. you know and it seems so innocuous it's yes exactly it's so innocuous and it's something that 
you know, if some, yeah, if a species of plant were to spread, how long would it really take us, you know, to notice that that's what was happening? Because we just take for granted that we're surrounded by these things all the time that, yeah, it would have to take something pretty drastic for us to be like, oh, wait, that's it. It's just, yeah. It's and the human race, cool. as we've learned recently, <laughs> we deny uh-huh. things a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we're going to wait till you know, you have no choice. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're, most of us would probably be closer to David Kibner if he was not a pod person at the beginning <laughs> when he's in it. Like, we'd be very much like, you're, you're, I'm sorry, you're just crazy. You need a bad You're insane. Yeah. You're, go lay down. You are hysterical. I need you to stop. <laughs> like, you are like... Do you need to talk to someone? Like, not me, but... <laughs> yeah. But I mean, af- so when after we have our... Uh, the, after the rescue and, you know, like, the bodies have disappeared and we get into Matthew calling all these people, this is when the movie, like, the paranoia for me, like, it starts at, like, a 7 and it ramps up to a 12, like, immediately when he's making all those calls to everyone and like you could tell some of them are like it feels like some of them are pod people and some of them are not but like Mm -hmm. even the people who aren't aren't helping and i think that's uh, it's very much like a uh a critique on well the government because at the time this would have been right after like watergate and the vietnam war and there was like a major mistrust of the government but it also shows on like how inept they were to deal with a situation like this or mm-hmm. to deal with sometimes any situation. <laughs> In all <laughs> like, fairness, again, this story would be very hard to sell over the phone. It's not like you like took it a video on your smartphone and like sent it to them like, hey, um, just imagine calling up your local government official and telling them that this is happening. You'd be locked up. Well, and he's also a government official, though. So like, and that's one of the things that I think makes it more important mm-hmm. is like, when you when we find his authority at the beginning like he does have some authority he can shut down a, a, a restaurant like he is part of the government he works in the just you because know. he can shut down a restaurant doesn't mean no i don't listen to him <laughs> no no i know and i get that but like it, like if you're in the government if someone else works in the government with you wouldn't would you take would you would probably take a little bit more pause right like, you would be all like, okay. This I don't is... know. I saw Veep, and I think it just changed how I view the government forever. <laughs> and so I really don't think they would pay attention to anything that was not serving themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't find it as much like Veep. It's probably a little bit more parks and recreation. But like, <laughs> like, so, Rachel, you know. <laughs> do you think the government is more like Veep or parks and rec? <laughs> oh, I mean, honestly, I wish... I mean, if... The fact that Leslie Nope exists in Parks and Rec makes me think that it's more like Veep. <laughs> because, like, <laughs> like, I wish that we had more Leslie Nopes, right? <laughs> right. Like, just there. I just want to help. <laughs> yeah. We can do this. I'll figure it out. Like, and just, just, yeah. Like, I, yeah. I don't think Parks and Rec is real. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, Leslie Nope would have worked her way out of this situation very fast. Yeah. Or she would have just tried to talk to them about it. And she has, like, the crisis plans, right? Like, isn't <laughs> yeah. that an episode where she has, yeah. like, the brand, like, locks she it has, down? Like, and five <laughs> giant binders full of, like, yeah. She's every ready. crisis you can think the of. She would just be like, oh, shit, it's not my problem. Call them. They owe me yeah. a favor. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll look crazy. Make them deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have time for this right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, it, I just it, and then you get all those calls just coming together, and you they're overlapping, and like the people knocking on his like, you know, phone door door and <laughs> what? I'm sorry. <laughs> You were, like, knocking on his paused. I was just like, I couldn't remember what they were called. It was, like, phone booth. (laughs) (laughs) That old tiny box thing. Uh, That's my big conspiracy. Like, where did all the phone booths go? It's like they were still around, even though they weren't being used, but they were still there, like, and then they were just gone. Like, where did they go? Who took them down? I don't think I ever saw one being removed or anything. But Oh, the government did. It was like, I mean, New York did an entire thing where they just took them all down, like, overnight. Like, one day. Like... <laughs> but I, just some, I almost like, wanted to call it like a phone booth graveyard somewhere <laughs> oh yeah i'm sure there is oh they probably have all been repurposed into like i don't know parts of buses or something <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's so sweet to glass. think that they recycle that <laughs> <laughs> i know i can hope okay like <laughs> I I'm a feeling like the Leslie Nope of ours. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate okay. your uh, you know your altruistic, optimistic outlook. <laughs> I'm an optimistic pessimist, or yeah. no, I'm an optimistic realist. I know they probably didn't, but I can still hope. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> if anybody knows what happened to the booths, please yeah. let us know. Yeah, please. Yes, I've wondered for years. Please. <laughs> Like, if somebody's, like, outside their house just has, like, 5,000 phone booths just lined up, I really need to know. Uh, sounds <laughs> like, terrifying. <laughs> it sounds like it'd be a very good start of a movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, that the, uh, just the paranoia of this movie just scares me so much. Like, I, I find... <sighs> I sorry let me collect my thoughts i get so happy with the, like talking mm. sometimes that i'm like ah <laughs> um but yeah the movie like this tells you of like such a certain place in time and but it's still so relevant now that it's just it, it terrifies me beyond reason like because all the things that are happening in it are s- still relevant today and they could take we... this exact script script and make it now with new actors and it would work yeah yeah, this exact script (laughs) that's the thing that like makes it just like so timeless it's like this could be i mean about communism it could be about aids it could be about political extremism it could be about covid it could be you know like whatever the fear is at that time like you can tweak it just a little bit and make it fit that <laughs> like the like the op- the opportunities are endless so i definitely think that this is a story that is going to continue to be retold you know every 30 years or whatever because it's just those fears are always going to be there it's just what that fear is i don't know but you know make it an alien and sure it can take it can stand in for that People are paranoid. It happens. It's mm-hmm. not going to go away. <laughs> People hate change, right? People are mm-hmm. so afraid of the threat of change and how that change will impact them, even if it won't. <laughs> but, you know, it's and so it's just that that i mean that's what i mean that's what horror is right the fear of the unknown mm-hmm. that's like yep. why people that's why so many horror films are successful because it's 
we're afraid of that unknown and just playing with that. And so that's what this movie is. Like, yes, it's a sci-fi film because this is, you know, they make it clear that this is some sort of outer space alien entity, but it is very much still a sci-fi horror Sci-fi can for still be horror. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the oh, fear of the I, other. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like someone, anything different is, you know, affecting how we live. And like, even when, you know, kibner describes it he's like oh the death of the nuclear family and all these things like those are things that people were scared of at the time like and there still are now like we Uh we talked about it we touched on it earlier like where people are still terrified of like just changes because they think it's going to affect everything that they want and need and stand hold dear Mm -hmm. so but yeah, um, we get to the, you know, the scene after he's called everyone and, you know, everyone sits down for the night and we get to the pod awakening scene. And I uh, honestly did not get a chance to look up. Do you do either of you get a chance to see who did the special effects for it? Because I did not get a chance for that one. No, but we, I can look um, it up real quick, I, but glanced through and there wasn't anybody that i recognized but whoever did it was phenomenal these are these effects are amazing they're like gross and very realistic and (laughs) very creepy and like i just speaking of the effects in this scene uh when did pg-13 become a thing like in That's the like 80s, 80s, right? 80s. Because it was like Gremlins, it, right? It was like the first like PG. Yeah, it was around like Gremlins and like License so, to Kill. And because I know they were some of like the first ones. Uh, Gremlins is the one right before it because they mm-hmm. created it for Gremlins or gotcha. after Gremlins, I believe. Um, I think the first one is Temple of Doom. But don't quote me on that. That might just be weird trivia. Because sometimes I watch stuff and you know when they did when they when they didn't have that and you know so it was just PG and R. This movie, how did it not get an R? There's nudity. There's gross violence. Like mm. <laughs> I'm just like I this is know. not general audiences in the 70s would just go see this and see tits and bodies being destroyed and heads craved in and. I guess that was so. just fine. Yeah. Well, so I, I mean, cool. <laughs> you watch the dude's arm, leg get eaten off in Jaws, and that's PG. <laughs> yeah. So I think it says special effects were by, it's like Russ Hesse and Del. Oh my God. I don't know how to say this name. <laughs> Rume. R H E A U M E. I don't know. But it, look, I mean, they worked on, yeah, they worked on thief um hard to kill you know some action movies i'm not sure if they were like associated with a studio or anything but it does i don't see that but yeah uh amityville horror the original amityville horror so i don't know they did work on some good stuff they did some stuff close encounters of the third kind so they must have been you know i don't i'm not sure if they were like part of you know somebody else's team or whatever they just hired them independently but i do appreciate the effects and especially like i think even we get that little taste at the beginning with like just the little like tentacle kind of roots coming out of it and just Mm -hmm. how 
plant-like it is, I think that they sell that really well. Where it's all, a... I think every single effect in this hold up amazing. Yes. Yeah, there's a few, like, sometimes it's, like, a few of, like, the pods or, like, the flowers look a little kind Stop of... Stop motion or, like, it was filmed in bit. reverse, like, a little bit, um... But I still find it really effective, though, and very creepy. Like, those bodies, mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, that scene that you're talking about where, like, all of these bodies are, like, awakening and, like, screaming and moving is just disgusting and really scary. I don't like it. <laughs> no, it's... Well, and it makes you wonder, like, really how much upsetting. of the is there? <laughs> yeah. Like, and when I say I don't like it, I mean, I love it because, like, yes. it makes me, like, oh, yeah. no. Yeah, but you don't want to think. You don't like to like think that about Plaza it. Me- yes. That Arby Plaza yes. meme, like, ugh, that's gross. I love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, sorry. Uh, yes, PG-13 was 84. <laughs> and the 84. first one was Red Dawn. Oh, so God. this okay. would have been six years before. Yeah, I knew it sorry. was before, but I was just like, whew. You'd think they would have, like, given this the R rating. Yeah. I don't think it would be, like, R rated now. But given the choice between PG and R with the content in this film, I was just kind of shocked. Well, uh, I mean, and it's all done in, like, one of the things I think that always would give you an R was the amount of blood you use in a movie. And this one, it doesn't use very much blood. Like, I can only think of... There's like, oozy stuff, but think about this. In the American cinema, what is the ratings board more scared of? Violence or sex? Sex, always. Sex. Yeah. Well, there is like nudity in this. I can't believe that they were just But like, it's not it's... in a sexual context. No, but like, I still am just shocked that the MPAA, which was around at the time and is notoriously ridiculous, was like Sure, it's fine for families to come see what's her face topless for, you know, uh-huh. several scenes, and it's not like you know in jaws where it's not easy to make out unless you're watching it on a 4K or in a theater. Yeah, um, they're there, nipples. They're there. You know, yep. the scariest thing in the world: a female nipple. <laughs> just terrifying uh, so scary <laughs> topple uh, topple uh, empires and destroy uh, families uh, i'm not afraid of the aliens i'm afraid of nipples uh it's what it seems <laughs> like sometimes with the rating board and instagram stuff like you can show anything traditional family n- values right <laughs> yeah Traditional families don't have nipples, Clayton. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody has nipples. Like, what is the deal? Yes. Um, but another thing I really wanted to bring up was the shriek. Ugh. Ugh, I don't like, want to talk about it. <laughs> and the first time you actually... Uh, the, and I don't know why, but I think it was my second time watching it. Was when I first heard the shriek after the old uh, after kevin mccarthy's cameo Mm -hmm. like i when they were running i don't think i'd ever noticed before that there is a shriek when he runs away and they're all coming after him yeah and i that was one thing i like that was the first time the when i first saw that i was like oh and then you because you only get a taste of it and then you hear it again when jeffrey realizes that you know elizabeth is gone and then you finally get the uh after Matthew has destroyed his pod person, you get the the actual shriek 
and I think yeah. it's one of the most and terrifying sounds I've ever heard And it just keeps going and going and going. I did see something, and now I can't even think of what it was. They used a... Um... Pig squeal. Yes. Oh. That's what it was. That's what they yeah, used for the shriek. Yeah, it's part pig squeal. Mm-hmm. Was one of the, that way it would have the, like a, a higher pitch quality. I yeah. love sound effect stuff. <laughs> the things they use blow my mind. Yeah. Well, it's very alarming because that's what it is, right? Like it's supposed to like be an alarm kind of like to all the others to, you know, that like, hey, <laughs> get that guy. <laughs> right. Well, and that's exactly it. It's just like you like this is you cannot be yourself. So, I mean, it's very much a movie about like, you know, it, it we're it, the conformity is what we're talking about. And that's something that Kibner is very much like advocating for in the movie like you know like there's you shouldn't fight it like we're already gonna win like you shouldn't Uh fight it like there's nothing you know like it's better if you don't fight it you know yeah and the shriek is very much like something they all admit and it makes it even more scary because you're just like you are like if you weren't the other before you are absolutely the other now (laughs) yeah and that's even more terrifying than uh, this movie scares me so much in just the best ways. <laughs> that sound alone, though, it just, it's unnerving. I don't like it. It's upsetting. I watch my movies very loud and have a good sound system. And <laughs> I'm amazed when I was taking my migraine nap earlier, I was not hearing that in my dreams. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I do that to people sometimes, like if I'm at work and <laughs> I know it's it sounds so bad but like when i'm at oh, work Sean. i'll just be like I'll, I'll be like uh i don't e- like i don't even know the context of the last time i used it but like somebody says something and i was just like who uh, screeched at them <laughs> yeah well they were it was like i some uh, somebody asked a question it was like who did something and i was just like oh you know like, pointed at whoever did it <laughs> so, what's so sad like is i feel say, like nobody at your work would have even like flinched probably not <laughs> well flinch or gotten it yeah probably i don't not. think anybody would have like what are you it. doing you weirdo <laughs> yeah i usually explain myself afterwards and then like well actually i do have one person at work that would get it like he 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 would get that one <laughs> um but i don't think it was him who, who we did it i did it with so nobody got it they're just like okay thanks so Sean, for another another re- another movie reference none of us were nothing worse than a wasted movie reference oh, <laughs> so sad <laughs> uh, um one thing i so we didn't we brought up a little bit that jeff goldblum's in this movie um i'm just gonna say how have we not talked about jeff goldblum yet (laughs) yeah i i don't know that's why we're gonna do it now and i just have to say he's like my least favorite character in this movie (laughs) like i just don't i i think that jack is a little annoying (laughs) which i think is the uh, important because it is what makes him human is like his little quirks and traits but like every time i watch it i'm like he's kind of a jerk to his wife like he's kind of a jerk in general i feel like jeff goldblum's character in this movie is the least annoying jeff goldblum i can think of off the top of my head 
Well, he's also like very self-absorbed, right? Yes. Like he's so annoyed. Yeah. Well, yeah, and like he's he's like so, I mean, I love him though, because like, I think he I if there's Jeff a Goldblum, self-awareness but... there. But so like in here, he's like annoyed at Kibner's success. He's upset because he doesn't understand why he doesn't have success. He's you know, you see Sutherland, you know, Benel on the phone, like having like, hey, I saw an accident. Like I'm call- I'm on the phone with the police dude. Like this is serious. And he's like ranting about what a hack, you know, Kibner is and how nobody will listen to his stuff. And it's like not the time, dude. But so I think it's playing into that whole idea of, you know, we we're talking about like this me generation, these people that are so you know, absorbed in their own careers and lives that they're kind of just not paying attention to the bigger picture. And it's like such a, to me, it's such a humorous way of embodying that, like to an extreme where there's like all this insanity unfolding around him. And he's just like, why is nobody coming to my book signings? I just don't understand. Like, but I mean, like there's nobody else you would cast in that part than Jeff Goldblum. Like (laughs) I choose every word specifically <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah like just incredibly <laughs> egotistical but and i so yes he's incredibly annoying but i don't know Goldblum has this way of making it like just oddly pathetically charming i don't yes. know it's yes yes like... jeff Goldblum has a quality well, that is just a singular and that's why <laughs> when he like runs off and kind of sacrifices himself like once they once they're cornered like Every time I watch it, I'm just like, ah, Jack's a little obnoxious. And then by the end of it, I'm like, oh, no, Jack. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah and you do see him, like... like, you're, like you do see like, him kind of snap out of it. And, like, he does, mm-hmm. like, he is married, right? So it's kind of funny because it's like he's embracing all of these sort of evolving ideas that people were afraid of, of what people were going to end up being. But yet he's still, like, married. So he's like, he does believe in so- some sort of, like, traditional family value. And he does end up believing his wife. And then once, you know, things kind of, like, become... um undeniably clear about what's happening he kind of <laughs> shit does hit the fan yeah <laughs> when he's like what the fuck is that body like it's literally right in front of him he kind of drops that sort of attitude that we see earlier i think for the yeah. most part <laughs> i do I, I and i think that i like that though because it, it for me he's kind of like the most obnoxious character and like it, it's very much like he gets a like the sacrificial you know like the sacrificial act arc mm-hmm. for it because he like is trying to save his wife and he's trying to save them and you know she's she follows him anyway but you know he was trying to save her yeah <laughs> i always thought that was like it's a nice little moment especially because the music oh i'm sorry go ahead no no it's, it's funny like he is kind of the comedic relief in this movie right like he's just mm-hmm. I, even if his lines aren't or his character it's just gold blooms like persona is just, <laughs> it's funny. just his energy is funny yeah so it just like kind of injects just a little bit of humor into this really kind of like heavy material that makes this like elevates this film to something else i think that makes it more i don't know makes it more feel more real kind of yes. in the way like earlier in the film when we see um a Elizabeth and 
Matthew interacting like that also I think is really like very sweet and real and you see their humor and you kind of see their friendship and like clearly he has a thing for her but he's not being creepy about it like Mm. he genuinely just cares about her and I so I think between like those two characters and those moments it really kind of I don't know it lightens it a little which actually makes the horror more scary Uh uh-huh a hundred percent so one of the scenes i do uh when uh after they've separated and we've lost you know like nancy and jack are gone and elizabeth and matthew are walking around uh the scene where they're just walking down the street and the legs stop like of the other people Mm -hmm. and they all just like circle up and they keep looking behind them and the more the legs start to turn towards them and then the legs start to run that is one of the scariest scenes i've ever seen in my life and i I can't even like i know why but like i could not imagine just watching like four pairs of legs just turn slightly and not see it be more terrifying than how this movie has it Yeah, I just no, needed to bring you. that up because that's one of the that for me is one of the scenes where I'm like, oof, like, also, that sh- is terrifying. She's running around in like these little heels like all over the fucking city. And like, mm-hmm. I can never get over that because that is <laughs> yeah. wild, like super. Yeah. I know the heels. Just, like, little... <laughs> OK, <laughs> there's one movie. little kitten heels, but like also <laughs> ouch. <laughs> The one movie that stands out to me on running around a city in heels is, um, oh my god, what is her name? In Cloverfield, um, Jessica... Jessica Lucas? Yes. Jessica <laughs> Lucas runs around New York City, that entire movie, like, miles and miles and miles <laughs> in, like, three-inch heels. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. how? How? Yeah. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I just I, I keep know, waiting I for scenes it. later in the movie for her to not have them on or something. But also, <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't want to run around New York City with in bare feet. Um, yeah, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think I think I'd learn to walk in the heels. <laughs> like, ah. it's like all this stuff. It's like, how do they not break? She's running. There's like a monster destroying the city. We just. Uh, but that's the movie that the heels really blow my mind in. It's not that's Jurassic funny. World. It's not this. It is Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Uh, and then we actually get the original film director's cameo um, as the taxi driver after this. Um, I did want to ask one question. Right before we get that, we go and we see, like, you know, it's like the red, you know, red light row. You know, mm-hmm. like, um, I, do you think, like, the house is of of ill the... repute? Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, do you think any of the Barkers were supposed to be taken? Or are they supposed to be, or like, were they supposed to be pod people and just, you know, like, playing up their parts? Or do you think they were still no. human? No. I think they're still the human. Other... I think that they are less desirable targets because they're trash humans so they're going for like the powerful people first and then going after the garbage humans that was another (laughs) thing i wasn't sure about because that was at a time where it was like everyone was trying to trap them 
Mm-hmm. But it also could have just been, you know, the themes of paranoia where you see everyone as an enemy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I have no actual basis for backing this up. I'm just like trying to think <laughs> like if we're no, thinking but- about like you know cultural values or whatever yes. or societal fears it's like oh those people are too long they're long gone like ugh, just they'll destroy themselves <laughs> <laughs> and then well right. and, <laughs> another thing is in this society like they're like oh everyone just goes back to you don't change like you go back to being who you are like do they would they still have strip clubs would they still have that would be the saddest strip pornography. Club. <laughs> I was about like, to say that'd yeah, be the saddest like, strip club like, ever. <laughs> I mean, they have no emotion. Like, would, yeah. would would like like and you know, Jeffrey is still watching TV. Would they still listen to music? Would music be composed? Like No. But no, okay, so like what's the end on... goal, I guess? So they just want yeah. No, because none of those things would be my guess is that all of those industries would go away, right? Because those are, like, wants, not needs. Right. So, like, there would be, like, no artistic creation. It would be just, like, functional. Like, all right, we're just, like, what needs to be done? What do we need to do to make the, you know, the day-to-day happen? And Procreation. You know, food. And, like, a strip club <laughs> would not be one of those things, I would assume. <laughs> well, but it's funny because this, I mean, we can also view this kind of as, like, a statement on consumerism, considering mm-hmm. even when, when so after they've been, like, uh, Elizabeth and Matthew have been cornered, uh, Jeffrey's like, oh, y- you know, nothing changes. You have the same life, the same clothes, the same car. And it feels like he's making a statement, like, hey, your life won't change. Like, it's just mm-hmm. you. And so, I mean, would and they think that's the only thing that humans would care about? And then he is watching TV later mm-hmm. when when she is when he's trying when she he was trying to have her changed it before Matthew rescues her. Like, would they still <laughs> watch TV? Like whatever it, he was watching on TV was not. I'm just trying. I'm, I'm a... just trying to come up with ideas. <laughs> no, that makes sense because if they're like, if you think of like. If somebody's looking, you know, from the outside in and they're like, okay, well, clearly these things are important. Clearly this is what they do. Okay. So that's what's, you know, so that, that makes sense. Like that tracks, like just sitting there watching something, you're not seeing the enjoyment necessarily. You're not feeling the enjoyment. They're just observing the action. And same thing with like the clothes and the car. It's like, well, that's, that's what you wanted, right? Like that's all that matters, right? So that yeah, that that makes sense. It's kind of just like a very, I don't know, interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, well, and it is because I mean it's a critique on us because those are things we prioritize. Like, totally, I won't lie, I am one too. <laughs> yep, but you do love to shop. <laughs> I'm uh-huh. sorry, I, I retail therapy is the only thing that saves my life sometimes. <laughs> um, Which is fine. In, a world free of anxiety does sound nice though like <sighs> yeah it it's okay so what do they say you'll be okay you got a quote here you'll be born again into an untroubled world free of anxiety fear and hate i mean that sounds amazing but at what cost i guess yeah. right yeah because you lose you there would be like, no art well, yeah, it's like you're losing those things, but you're not losing them because you have, like, gr- you know, <laughs> uh, 
I don't know, grown, grown. as a human to like yeah. not. I mean, there was a whole new you grown. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But like we haven't like solved like why hate exists. You've just eliminated, like stripped away all the things that make humans emotion. human. Like you've just stripped away emotion. Yeah, you haven't actually. So like, yes, those things are gone. But there's also your. It's also like, going to be a world. Would you ever experience joy again? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Be... That's the thing. It's like it, it would also be free of joy. It would be free of love. It would be free of passion. It would be free of like, I don't know, like silliness, <laughs> like free yeah. of laughter. Like, could you imagine <laughs> a group of pod silliness. people watching Megan next weekend? Like they wouldn't it would enjoy just, that. No, they would watch it and be like, <laughs> excellent. They would even film. make it. We did it. <laughs> it would not have been made. <laughs> like, well, and I think you're absolutely right, Rachel. I think that like those industries would die. Like, uh, creativity is, you know, dead. Like, or it, 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 oh my god, you know what it would be? It would just be like a bunch of remakes, like the Fog or like the Thing remake or like the oh. Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, just like these soulless remakes. Like this is what you want, right? All right, here you're in a theater. Here's oh. a movie you like. It would just be like these like reborn soulless versions of things. With, but like, even those soulless remakes, lines. there's <laughs> at least like one little like little things about them that are. Like, oh even well, I'm. You, but I think you understand. Okay, okay. Yes, yeah, I, I it would do be like the, the, It'd be the, the cabin the fever remake. remake. The remake <laughs> of the remake. That's just like completely like this. When you got said all like parts, you know a soulless but... <laughs> remake, I'm just picturing like the Psycho remake. That's what I think of as like the ultimate. Oh, the shot like, for shot. Yeah. Yeah. That's just um, but yeah uh-huh. yeah like it would be something the Nightmare like on Elm Street remake it at least had Kyle Gallner in a speedo and that's the thing like I don't hate any of these movies but I think it's that idea that like why these are the bad so ones they're, exact- yeah. they're accepted <laughs> they're well, well, it, well bad, it's like but... <laughs> it's like why people get so upset at those kind of remakes too because it's like that's not Halloween that's not Jace like that's not what made those films so great right like it kind of there's something about those films that's not true to what those original source materials were and why people love them so much it's just kind of like a cash grab whereas and so that's why i say soulless because it's more like producers and executives making movies versus like filmmakers um and so like that's maybe where these things would leave because clearly they would probably see like you see him watching tv like oh he likes to do this so what's going to be on the tv we'll have people doing that but it would just be completely void of any sort of artistic interpretation or license it would just be going through the motions <laughs> reciting so the words oh my god yeah reciting the words ah don't get me jason oh, i tripped but like also <laughs> you know just just completely no sort of style like style would be gone right oh I would my think. god it would be uh, the a24 hallmark. wouldn't exist no no a24. it'd be the hallmark christmas movies all day all year <laughs> with less joy with less joy mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah i just i was i always think of that i'm like man like it you know you you really are watching not just the death of humanity but the death of art and individuality and the like, death of art is so much sadder than the death of humanity. It's just, wow. I, it's interesting because it's, you know, I, <laughs> it's always how you look and sell something, right? It's like, well, yeah, it's the same thing. Like, nothing changes. Like, all this is the same. 
but also it's like the fine print right it's it's like well it's like yeah if you spin it that way but also (laughs) (laughs) you know yes but and yeah anything you say before the word but does not count yeah (laughs) like it's a pod people have a little contract or something but yeah so it sounds nice in some ways but also you know, you look at it for more than half a second and it's just like, (laughs) (laughs) no, thank you, sir. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's just, it's what makes this movie even more heartbreaking is when, you know, Kibner says, you know, there's no hate, like, we don't hate you. There's no hate. You're free of anxiety, fear, hate. And like immediately Elizabeth looks at Matthew and is just like, I love you, Matthew. And I was like, ugh that hurts my heart every time because you know what you know what of course you've seen it so you know what's coming like (laughs) but but i mean and like even from that moment like uh, i remember the first time i watched it i was just like this doesn't have a happy ending like you can i i have i never watched this movie and thought there was going to be a happy ending yeah like it, it just feels it is one of those movies that feels like it's not going to have a happy ending for me like i don't know how like something bad is going to happen some way shape or form you know and it's very like at that moment you're just like that's what we're losing and that's what makes this like it's what makes this movie just so good to like just this little they're a little microcosm of like everything that we lose as humanity in this movie and i find that I'm about to say it. It is. Sometimes I just love a really like bleak film though, because it's just yes. like like but I that's don't me seventy percent of the time. I just like there's something so condescending sometimes. Like I not all the times. Like sometimes you just want to watch a movie and be like, ha ah, yes, that is amazing. It ended perfect. I love it. But also some you know, you I, I like those like good for her moments, you know, final girl moments or whatever. But <laughs> sometimes it's just like yeah that's right that's how it would be life sucks and so sometimes it's like really nice to feel validated in like how something would actually unfold and but i also think that there's power in that because in some ways it's saying like yeah if you don't fight back like this is what's gonna happen right but Mm. or you can be like miss nancy and be like still fighting and like still trying to find your people and like still trying to like not give in because and you know i don't know in you know a a more vague broader sense just like do you and do what you want to do and not necessarily give in to all of what everybody's telling you to i guess so like there is hope there it's just you know but I don't understand what the hope is because I'm a, well, like, pragmatic, okay, realist, maybe not pessimist. Hope, like, but like, so just like, it's like maybe what kind it's of life like, is there out there for her? Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, that's why you – but like, if enough people, right? Like if there were enough Nancys. You don't see the film after this yeah. where she like, g- you know, meets up with like Snake Plissken in like New York in like yes. a like a bunker and they're all like wearing Mad Max clothing and they're like fighting against these like pod people. And, you know, so like, where's the sequel to this? Like what happens after? Like, I want to see Nancy like 
being like a, a Sarah Connor kind of character. And like, like she clearly got there somehow. She ran back to her car and she got out of the city. Like, yeah. You know, I believe so, within 30 seconds, Nancy is dead. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, yes, I know. And that is what the movie is telling you. And, but like, this is my optimistic realism like yes we know she's dead but like you can also think of what she's not like it doesn't always have to end with like like yes that's what the movie tells us but i always feel like the movie is that like the for me like and and maybe it's just because i love veronica cartwright in this movie so much like the end of the movie is the end of the my of the matthew bennell story yeah. Like, that's the end of the love story. It is over. Like, they did not make it. But, like, Nancy was the one who was the smart one in the first place. So, like, I would have loved to see this movie from Nancy's perspective and just hopefully it wouldn't end like that. <laughs> it's. I also like, like it because it, like, puts... It kind of, like, shifts the responsibility to the viewer because it just ends, mm-hmm. like, on such, like, a cold stark ending right like he points at her he's clearly a pod person screams at her reveals you know sounds the alarm and she's terrified because she realizes like she's alone now and and then it's like it's over there's no music Mm-mm. like it's just done <laughs> and it's kind of like it puts the responsibility and interpretation on you because it's like well now what like what do you take away from this is this yeah is this the end are we all pod people i don't know so i i kind of like movies that do that where depending on your mindset or wherever you are on that day like you're able to kind of mm-hmm. sit with it and walk away from it with you know a few different things and maybe today you're like fuck yeah world sucks i hate it all (laughs) but then the next day but then the next day you're like i'm gonna fight you know like i don't want to be one of those i don't want to be a pod person like i want to be like i want to be a nancy (laughs) that's exactly how i view it too though like that you know we like the whole the movie does stuff like the ending tell like it, it it doesn't spell it spells it out for you like what is going on in a situation but it doesn't expel out to you what happens after like she has survived a long time for this like is she kind of screwed now a little bit yes but like we thought they were screwed multiple times and they didn't get screwed you know mm-hmm. like they got out of it and so like for me yes of course the downer ending is absolutely like oh the true you know like a true ending but like Mm -hmm. in my heart of hearts and like how i'm feeling the day like you said like i i've had you know like i've had a headcanon where she like ran to a car and you know like somehow gets away or like she you know like there's there's a million scenarios like it, it it doesn't it just means for me the end of the story is like that's the end of matthew bennell and basically you know mm-hmm. most of san francisco <laughs> oh my god you know what i just realized so i don't know if you guys are star trek guys but you know in next generation with like the whole borg thing and mm-hmm. like like the borg are pod people and they're like resistance is futile like we will absorb your memories and become like a, a hive mind and it's funny and like jean-luc picard is like i mean that's like what nancy needs to do right well i guess no because she like Okay, I'm not going to get into a whole. I'm not going to go down a Star Trek rabbit hole. Yeah. But well, it's mean, just you see gets... this. I, you see this idea time and time again of like this idea where like this is better thinking to all be on the same page, but then clearly it's you know 
you lose everything else. <laughs> yeah. People well, need secrets. I, I get where you're coming from there, because Picard, well, not to not to bring us down that rabbit hole, but Picard does become one. I know and, that's what I say. He becomes yeah. a Borg, and then he, like, gets out of it, and, like, Nancy didn't become a pod person, and then, like, un Well, once you become a pod person, I don't think you can, like, get out of it. Like, you're yeah. human Well, you're, bodies. like, your human body is, like, like they, like, they, it kills you, right? Like, yeah. once yes. it, like, the, what's, once You the, turn like, to ashes and get put into a garbage yeah. truck. Yeah, there's yeah, some so, sort of exchange that happens where you are dead, and it's now just your duplicated person running around. Yeah, yeah, and it—I mean, you're—and you are an alien at that point, so I don't think you're there. I, I get where you're coming from there, but I don't think there's this one. I don't think you could become pod and then unpod. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think the pod un-pod. will learn how to. Love. I, I just think maybe there could yeah. be though, like what? Wally. Like a pod Wally? person that could. <laughs> he was just I think he's like talking about like a robot like learning a, to like, love, or like, <laughs> like a, a like seven a pod of nine, right? Was. Yes, seven of nine. <laughs> you need like a seven of nine that like was Borg, but like somehow scientists are able to like unborg her, and she's like only partial Borg, like partial yes. pod, or could yeah. like learn how to like the pod person that learned how to feel. I'd watch <laughs> that sequel. <laughs> Like, yeah, what if everybody's pod and then wasn't finally... that Psycho Goreman? <laughs> yeah, basically a little. Bit. <laughs> is that, isn't isn't that like sort of ter- Terminator Two? <laughs> yes. Oh my god, Terminator Two. <laughs> no problem. Okay, fine. Yeah. It's been done. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but I did want to ask you guys: uh, Would you keep fighting, or would you give in? I don't want to be a pod person. I don't either. I don't want to be I, a pod person, but it's also like Clayton, oh, I already know this, your is, <laughs> this is futile. I would have like offed myself the second I was like the world's ending. I don't want to be a pod person, and or I'd just be like, oh, whatever. Like I'm gone anyway. <laughs> I wouldn't want to help them about but here's it. The, but... uh, you know what? Here's the other thing, though. Like, are if you're able to just like walk around emotionless and fool them, like I can do that, right? <laughs> I do that every day. I work retail. <laughs> like, like, I know how to mask my emotions. Like, if that's all it takes. Because, like, like, if like, there's still going to be stores and, like, there's still going to be, like, you know, well, car. Like, you're still going to be able to, to exist. The only problem you have, though, is the sleep. <laughs> because then, like, you're going to have to find someone else to keep you awake or you're, like... To, like wake you up before your pod but you just have to so. be exposed you would just have to like keep your house like you know sterilized or like you know et where it's like sealed off somehow and like you just have to like have it where you don't have any of those spores like in your house right because like that's what does it it's yeah, not you can't necess- just turn you right? can't don't just turn once you fall asleep like there has to be yeah a- like you you are able to like sleep you just have to make sure that none of the plants are around so maybe you just keep a lot of like i will say round I up around and just kill all the plants and just that different <laughs> that's actually a great idea <laughs> yeah, um i did love that difference between the original and this one where in the original you know she goes to sleep and then is instantly like pod person mm-hmm. and in this one it you see her disappear and there was one nearby yeah and that is a vast improvement i thought because the original i was just like 
That doesn't even make sense. It doesn't follow the logic that we've been given for this story. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't like it when a, <laughs> a story doesn't follow the own ru- its own rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think you could, like, I think you could exist and you could fight. I liked, yeah. I like I like the way that goes better. And, yeah, just walk around emotionless when you need to go grocery shopping. It's like... Yeah, that's what I do thanks. when I go grocery shopping anyway. I just pop totally. in my headphones. I don't, e- I don't even turn on music. Like, I'll just put in headphones so people don't talk to me. And then I just push <laughs> around my cart and don't look. I mean, I could pretend I, I was exactly. playing like, Stepford I do the Wives. Same thing. No, exactly. I like, it's just, I, see? So it's not like the world is collapsing, per se. You know, it's not like a Walking Dead situation. It's more uh, like you just have to... I mean, it kind of, kind of, God, I guess it's kind of like Walking Dead. You just got to smear the guts on and walk around and fool them. And, <laughs> and, but but you, you would still be able to exist and maybe get to a place where you could find some other people and um, eventually fight back on a larger scale. So, yeah, I, I would fight back. Might take me a while, but <laughs> I'd try. I'd try. Well, me the nice too. thing I about you, you're not in a super populated state. So once you got out of the city... Mm-hmm. You'd really be fine. You might have to yeah. learn how to like hunt and stuff, but yeah, just keep your you know your filters clean to keep out the spores and you know I don't know. Could be done. You could do it. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> there is one thing in this movie that I always find slightly ridiculous um, i find and, it horrifying if it's what you're gonna oh say. no it's absolutely horrifying but it's the banjo oh <laughs> like, the banjo mm. playing when the human face dog walks up like i also that is the one thing in this effect. movie i'm like hmm, oh fantastic effect scary as everything but like i've never understood like i get it it's supposed to be like the callback to the banjo guy at the beginning the banjo mm-hmm. and guy and his dog but like it feels a little bit too like for me like for me like i just that is the one thing in this well, movie when I'm they're like, running away earlier he's sleeping with his dog and there's that pot and they kick it no i know and so i, I know how it what, happens like it messed up but it's just horrifying like i just i don't ugh. like the banjo that is the one thing in this movie that i'm just <laughs> like uh, i it just it's completely out of place for me in that one scene also done by jerry garcia of the grateful dead so i mean like but still i just that is the one thing in this movie i'm like ugh. well that's probably why right like somebody probably had a friend and they were like dude we can totally get jerry to do something like we gotta get jerry <laughs> and they're like oh my god you fucking know jerry like gotta get jerry on here and so it's like <laughs> You know, it's probably one of those things where they just they made it work. One of those things. <laughs> yes. We can get Jerry Garcia. Oh my god, I love the dead. <laughs> like, yeah. and then just what can we have him do? <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. Can he play like some? You know, play this guy's music and great. Yep, yeah. that'll work. It's in the movie. Play a banjo just for a minute or two, okay? <laughs> yep. Here's your check. Thank you very much. <laughs> so. Uh, I mean, uh, we're getting towards the end of here with of the movie, and um, you know, after they escape the uh, the big fight and stuff like that, and you know, Elizabeth dies, which is really sad. Um, yeah. Matthew's Matthew's face through that whole thing is just so sad. Um, and her face just crumbles. 
it, it does it really does give new meaning to ashes to ashes dust to dust doesn't it um but <laughs> uh when matthew burns the grow lab like the first time i watched this i it felt like a moot point and yes. <laughs> i mean it does like it i, I it, it feels like and i think it's supposed to feel like a hero moment where it's like oh look he's destroying them like he's gonna make it like when you first watch this movie and now we've gotten to the you know to the ending uh did you think he was a pod person Mm, i did not know the first time i was unsure of where it was gonna go until he turned around you know obviously i thought yeah first time i saw it because i didn't fully know it's like well maybe he's just yeah maybe he's doing what i would do and just kind of like fake it and scrape by for a while until he figured out a plan but then yeah the first time i saw i was not sure i thought she might be a pod person, but I wasn't sure about him. So yeah. I really liked that it had it flipped that she was still like herself, but he had been turned. It was just so horrifying and bleak and just that scream and just that cut to silence. And you just have to sit with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I did not like, I won't lie. First time I saw it, I did not think he was one. And so that <laughs> so ending just... I know, I'm so sweet. <laughs> like I like I thought he was still kind of faking it, but like, you know, after a while, like you you know, when it brought back Nancy, like I was like, oh <laughs> like that's when I was like putting it together. And so for me, you know, this is one of the greatest endings of any film ever. Um I just yeah, I I'm I'm one of those people I did not see that one coming. And I like to see things coming. I'm I'm one of the weird people who analyzes a movie while I watch it cuz I like to know the end. And that one I I did not get. Yeah. I no, love it's that I mean it's an I, <laughs> I mean it's a, it's such an iconic moment and it's just so I, I mean the the abruptness of it I think is really mm. what makes it so iconic too because it's just i mean that's a gutsy way to just end a film just be like ha, there you go have fun thank you for coming <laughs> bye um and and so i like i appreciate that though because it's it is like we were saying earlier it's nice not to always have everything wrapped up with a nice little bow sometimes because that's not reality <laughs> and, and so in to most have it films just... that would have that like you know six months later or whatever and you yeah. see them somewhere else it's like oh yeah they got out this is how they're continuing on the fight mm-hmm. and it'll just be kind of like a coda to what has happened and it's like oh no this is the actual ending it's just going to be a few seconds long it's going to be horrifying and then we're just gonna let you sit with it and get your butt out of the theater <laughs> yeah have fun and with it, that <laughs> and it it really feels like an answer <laughs> enjoy to your the- day <laughs> <laughs> And it feels like an answer to the first one, because in the first movie, like the ending is they're coming, they're coming, you know, they're coming. And in this one, it's basically they're here. Yeah. Like it's over. <laughs> like, you know, like they're here. They have won. <laughs> yeah. Like they've came. They saw they conquered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that quite, is quite pretty clearly. much the movie. Yeah, that's like, the movie. 
do you guys want to talk about any of the themes in the movie more than we have already covered? I mean, honestly, I think, yeah, we talked about paranoia. The idea of conformity, I think, is obvious in a lot of different ways that we see that. That's really interesting to me. Um, and I just love how the themes of this, I mean, I, I've said it time and time, they're just timeless. And I just think that that's mm-hmm. such an interesting part of this film and this story just yeah that we're gonna see it over and over again and it doesn't take away from any of the previous ones necessarily it's just i don't know i'm just fascinated by the way that you know these fears are presented in films and how you can track them through time like it's just such an interesting thing and this is such a perfect I mean, I guess it's a franchise at this point, right? Even though they're not kind of, <laughs> you know, they're it's not necessarily the same story sequel, over and the over. same story over and over again. But the way that we've seen it interpreted, like we talked about the faculty, you know, we talked about Star Trek stuff, like the way that we've seen kind of this nugget of this idea taken and kind of reinterpreted or represented and played with in so many different ways i also think about like the andromeda strain i don't know if you guys have read that book or seen that movie mm-hmm. but I it's haven't. the same it's just, it's kind of the same idea where it's like um a, a spore or like a uh, i can't i can't remember it's like an environment a virus or something that that ends up being a like a microbe that's okay that ends up being like the sorry <laughs> no that's great i, I, I haven't i haven't read it the in so mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell Sorry, <laughs> but like you know, like an alien doesn't, you know, like they said in here, it, I, they don't come in like big silver ships. Like it could be a disease, and I, I just I like sci-fi movies that play with like more of those ideas, and I think that the way that this presents it and the the plant is terrifying, but also just really interesting from that that idea. It- Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. I actually like to do this as a double feature if I'm <laughs> with the thing um, mm-hmm. remake from '82. Like, great, they're both, feature. yeah. So they're very much like. I, I mean, I know John Carpenter has his own Apocalypse trilogy, and Prince of Darkness is a good one in that. Um, so is in the Mouth of Madness. But like for me, these two movies are very much like they're different interpretations of a horror from within um and like you can't you can't really see it until it's there yeah. and i think that's like it, it makes it more scary because like you can run away from jason you can run away from freddy you can run away from freddy or wake up hopefully um <laughs> you know like like those are there are things that are so much more tangible and then this is something that like it's hard to fight like you can't you can't run away from a virus like or things like that like you can't it's hard to it's hard to find a way to fight it mm-hmm. and it just makes this so much more scary yeah i agree i was, was gonna say one thing i didn't bring up and i forgot to was uh it i wrote down in our themes dehumanization as well which is very much like um the biggest scene for me that kind of explains on that point is when matthew and elizabeth do see kevin mccarthy get killed and they both just drive by assuming someone else is going to be the one to help him mm-hmm. and like someone else will do it and that's very much like that's kind of the <sighs> how a lot of things go in cities now or even in in like and i won't lie i've been i've been bad at this too like sometimes you'll see a car broke down on the highway and you're just like 
what 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 if what would happen if I stop? Like you know, I know it would happen if we stop because we watch a lot of horror movies. <laughs> yeah, and like call I try for and, someone to help them. <laughs> Don't try like, to help them yourself. Even about a couple months ago, I was like taking. I was picking up my sister because she was going to come stay the night over at my place, and like we saw a truck like on the side of the road with their flashers on. So like. Uh, but I, I it was like two o'clock in the morning because I had to work and had to head out that way later. And I'm like, well, I don't want to stop with like my sister in the car. Like she's my younger sister. And I like so I, you know, I just called the police and, you know, that's, you know, it's it's not like weighing on my conscience or anything, but I'm just like what if it was me like and so that's something that i always find like, oh if it was me and i was stuck on the side of the road which i have had been stuck on the side of the road in inclement weather and somebody stopped to help me i don't know that i would get in their car or anything <laughs> <laughs> well i just mean like i if even if it was just like hey we need like a jump or something like it, it it feel like I would it be feels scared of someone bit. stopping to help me because I'm like people aren't that nice and like this no no I'll wait right. for it. which also <laughs> describes who we are as a society because you're you're not expecting help like you're expecting hurt and I think that says a lot about who we are as a society that if someone stops and is if someone were to stop you or to stop when you're in a broke down car next to you your first thoughts don't go to they're here to help it's what are they going to do like what are they how are they going to hurt and i think that's something that we very much deal with now is kind of like our dehumanization of like how we how we view other people like we don't take into account emotions for of, of others as much in any way shape or form not well, everybody, but you know what I mean. Like, I was like, it we like... get that twenty-four hour news cycle, and like, bad news is more interesting, I guess, for them to put out than good news. So when you're just seeing all these like crazy murders and kidnappings and all this stuff from every single day, and yeah, it just makes you not want to take a risk. Yeah. Yep gets a little scary sorry to bring up the the, the depressing point at the end well it's a bummer <laughs> i mean it's a bummer ending it's, so yeah. <laughs> yeah it's appropriate it kind of fits <laughs> i will say since we're on the topic of like how it was interesting that this was in the city and spreading um and this is totally off topic but i am very curious what they're going to do with evil dead rise in that being set in a city since they've always been you know yeah. out in the middle of nowhere with not unlimited people to in fact and so i wonder if it's gonna be kind of a it's gonna be like demons too demons too yeah i haven't seen yeah. demons too so i don't know i know i kept telling you to watch it but you never i know <laughs> we can only hope it's as good as demons too <laughs> yes I, I i love demons and demons too <laughs> uh, maybe that's what i could watch tonight i'm trying to watch stuff that i haven't seen and just keep up a good uh Oh, they're good thing this year. So they're you have it. Wild. They're on Shutter. Oh, they're on Shutter. Cool. Even easier. Okay. Good old Shutter. Um, yes. Thank you, Shutter. So, uh, do either of you have any final thoughts on this before we give our personal scores out of five? 
I just think this movie is amazing and perfect and I love it and it's just it's held up so well and I think it's just going to be a timeless classic that I mean no notes I don't know it's great at yeah. 45 I mean it's still I think it's proven it's uh metal yep so uh, what would you rate this out of five I think I know five five out of five for me oh yeah same here same here Sean what about you Oh, it's an absolute five out of five. It's a seven out of five. Um, it's <laughs> you. This is an 11. amazing movie. <laughs> uh. <laughs> this it's everything we've talked about and more. Um, and one of the things I do love is that like I always find that my favorite movies are generally movies that like are kind of misunderstood at the time, like uh, like in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Like this one, it didn't. Like, its reviews weren't bad, but they weren't great when it came out. Like, or they weren't, they were middling, I guess I would say. It was, like, Mm. a very mixed reception. The only one I really know about is Siskel and Ebert on their thing. They gave it two thumbs up, but we're just kind of like, why is it is, like, why? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it had some, like, reviews that were just like, eh, you know, Mm. and very much like, janet maslin says that it's like she said it's too creepy it ends up it's so creepy that it becomes funny essentially is what she said Hmm. and you know like you know like he didn't i thought i was jaded (laughs) yeah so i mean like it, it it didn't it was not without its detractors but it's one that's grown its reputation has grown like so much over the years that like you know, it's finally getting the recognition it, it deserved even at the time. Like, so yeah, absolute five out of five <laughs> to bring myself back. <laughs> so uh, this movie was made for a paltry 3.5 million, which was not paltry in the 70s, I'm sure, and made 25 million worldwide. So did pretty well for itself. <laughs> I love when we do older movies and you see like what they made and it's like, this was astronomical what they did with their budget. <laughs> the movie that's made how much actors million. get paid now. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Uh, but um, yeah, so that's what it made. Do you guys want to try to guess what this is on Letterboxd? You don't have to, Rachel, if you don't want to, or if you already know. I always make Sean guess. I don't know. Oh, okay. So if you want to put know. in a guess, put in a guess. <laughs> You're familiar with Letterboxd. You know how. Four four point <laughs> two. Okay. Um, I'm not going to go that high up, but I will go 4.0. It is a 3.9. Oh, idiots. Oh, okay. People are dumb. <laughs> yeah. there's, well, actually- <laughs> there's this theory that I have seen kind of proven most of the time that like the best films in the world on Letterboxd are 3.9. <laughs> Weird. Because there's enough idiots that bring down the average but like the best ones all are a 3.9 all right good on that rabbit hole sometimes see if it holds true yeah i'm gonna have to start paying more attention so i did notice the other night i watched whiplash for the first time and it had a 4.4 and i was like holy shit (laughs) dang yeah so 3.5 million today would be 15 million dollars that's Almost sixteen, fifteen, nine, nine, seven. I love Pretty a good, good. mid mid budget movie. They should bring those back. And it made what twenty five million, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me count my zeros. <laughs> <laughs> One more, two more. 
and it would have made 114 million. Damn. Yeah, that's a that's, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> that's a nice little indie budget it. there. That's some. That's a Paranormal Activity movie. <laughs> that's the Blair Witch Project right there. <laughs> well, not quite. The Blair Witch Project did much better. <laughs> well, I'm just saying in general, like it's a <laughs> yes. That was a wonderful. It is considered gangbusters. Yes. Um. <laughs> So, Rachel, do you have anything you want to plug, give out your socials, anything you're working on? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, you can catch me on an episode of the Losers Club this month. We're covering The Colorado Kid, which is one of his uh, Stephen King's hard case crime books. So those are always super fun. And um, I'll also be on the pod in Pendulum. We're covering the Phantasm series. So keeping things wild and weird in 2023. And um, yeah, you can catch me on Twitter at Vinyl Girl, G-R-R-R-L, or on Instagram at The Vinyl Girl. And yeah, you can keep up with me there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You really do have an amazing vinyl collection. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> <laughs> true, I get so jealous. Um, if you want to catch us on the socials, we are on Twitter at triple M Pod with three M's. I am at just happy to see you. Number two, letter C, letter U. Sean, you are at uh, Smurf zero one three S M U R P H zero one three. You can find us on Letterbox. I am also on there at just happy to see you. Number two, letter C, letter U. And Sean, you are at uh, Murph the Smurf, M-U-R-P-H-T-H-E-S-M-U-R-P-H. We also are on Instagram, Triple M Pod with three M's. We have a Facebook page, Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies. And if you want to email us for any reason whatsoever, our email is men who like men who like movies pod at gmail.com. And uh, Sean, I think you have something to plug that you did recently. Oh, yeah. So I was actually a uh, guest on a podcast called titanic talk line um about a couple weeks ago um where i talked about you could probably guess it titanic (laughs) um and about how many uh mashed potatoes i made for my friends and it's a it's a fun conversation if you it is it's a fun episode i was a good friend and listened to it (laughs) (laughs) uh it was a lot of fun uh check it out titanic talk line and just look for look for me and uh, both of us coming up are guesting on two cents critic about creep in a few weeks so that'll be fun (laughs) and um yeah rachel we are so so thankful you were here we really gosh thank you this was such a great conversation (laughs) i loved it thank you yeah, I'm so glad I met you on the Pod and Pendulum because otherwise this wouldn't be happening. And I'm really sad. <laughs> I love how. Pod- Wait, pods have brought us together. Oh my God. Yeah. Pods yeah. and pods. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we are pod people. Oh my God. Oh my, oh my God. God, we are. Oh no, I need to make another co- I need to make another podcast. <laughs> it's just pod people. <laughs> I said I didn't want to be a pod person and I was a pod person the whole time. <laughs> the real pod people are the ones we met along the way. <laughs> I think this turned into more of a thing, like the thing realization than a pod person. Dang yeah. It. <laughs> Uh, 
so clayton what are we covering next week next week we're covering a wonderful little thriller that introduced the world's jennifer lawrence winter's bone cannot wait love that movie that movie's so cold it is so cold it's january cold as february Uh (laughs) i think you mean the black coat's daughter but, no, I um, mean February. <laughs> also, I, I think, like, why do yeah, we say when, February like that? I don't <laughs> know. But, but yeah, Winter's Bone next week. And um, please don't forget to give us maybe a five-star rate, maybe a review if you have the time. It helps a fuck ton. And don't forget to be kind out there. And don't be a pod person. And really, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on here. Yes. And yeah. So, thank you so much. You were awesome, Rachel. Oh, thank <laughs> and you guys. Till next time. Happy New Year's, y'all. See you. Bye. <laughs>